Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Be sure to use code DNVR when you head on over there and sign up for a new account. I am your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hayfley. Today, we're answering some listener questions. It's been a while since we've jumped in on these questions from all y'all, so we figured it was time to get in on it since the Avs don't play for basically another week. AJ, how you feeling today? Feeling good? Ready to answer some questions? Uh, I'm ready to answer questions, yeah. All right, we'll take one out of two. It's not bad. First question coming from Avalanche Rich. Any thoughts on Grubauer getting an extension midseason before hitting free agency? Also, would you bring him back or test the waters with an Anderson or Ranta? If he continues to play the way he's played through the first chunk of the season, you got to think the Avs would, would want to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, you're looking for an excuse to keep the guy that is entrenched in your system already, is comfortable with how you do things. Goaltender transitions are some of the most unpredictable. I mean, goaltenders already are unpredictable. But goaltender transitions, leaving a cocoon that they're very comfortable with, creatures of habit, you know, every little meticulous detail, something that they're comfortable with, finding success with and going to a totally different system, totally different coaching staff, totally different defense, totally different living environment, all of those things. Um, I think it has a bigger effect on goaltenders than it does other players, than it does regular skaters. And so I think you're looking for an excuse to keep the guy that you have. Uh, and if and to be honest with you, Grubauer has been a top five goaltender this year. There isn't any need at the moment um, to, to do anything. A midseason extension would make no sense for him. Unless the abs rolled in and gave them basically Jacob Markstrom's contract. If they yeah. decided to do something crazy like that, then I could see Grubauer being like, well, I'm not going to get this on the open market, or this is exactly what I would be looking for on the open market, so I would take it. I don't think that the abs would be willing to go crazy big like that, so I would be surprised if they rolled in with an offer, but I mean, it would be smart to. To Lock something his, down at least. Yeah, yeah. To approach the team about it, it would be smart, but uh, he doesn't have any reason to, uh, especially with the way that he's playing financially. When you get this close to free agency, when you get this close to free agency, just let it play out. Yeah. Uh, is there, from the Av side of it, it, the only real concern I could see at this point is maybe they want to see him get through this year without injury yeah well and i mean from from colorado's perspective he still has everything to to prove yeah you know he's gotta he has to stay healthy he has to be productive in the postseason he has to get them out of the second round that's not to say that if they don't get out of the second round it'll necessarily be his fault but like well, this is on him here. Like he's he's in. He has to prove it. He he doesn't have a contract next year. I mean, I, I think it's one of those situations where the Avs would probably be willing to sign him now, but the dollar value isn't going to be anywhere close to say like a Markstrom contract. And and there's no reason Grubauer would put himself into a contract like that. Yeah. So 
it just doesn't make a ton of sense. The middle ground isn't there yet based on what we've seen so far this year. So nor neither the team nor Grubauer, I think, is going to be in a spot where they really want to get this done immediately. Yeah. With that being said, you know, who knows two months from now. From a purely business perspective uh, side of this, from either from either side, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, at, at some point, like if the if the ads are like, look, we've we we can we've liked what you've done, blah 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 blah, and he's like, hey, I'm comfortable here. You guys want to give me the kind of deal that I'm looking for, you know, the the people side of this is what would drive a deal right now, not not a business perspective side of it. And as we see in in pro sports, as everybody knows, the business side of it. Most frequently wins out. Almost always, you would have to think. But we can move on to our next question, as I think we covered the Grubauer topic pretty well there. How many more games can be postponed before the NHL is in trouble of jeopardizing the season with Kirk Robinson? I found this question interesting, but... I don't think you're going to get a straight answer here because I don't think the NHL season is in jeopardy of being canceled on the whole at all. I think they will finish the season no matter what. What does that look like? Is it still a 56-game season? Do they chop it to 40 if things go really bad? Do they just take however many games each team's played and go by points percentage? Maybe. But I'm not – I don't think the season will get properly canceled ever. Yeah, I think um, I don't think it's in any kind of danger of that. I think that we could be approaching um, we could be approaching the point right now where they have to seriously consider a pause. Yeah, sure. Um, just a just a two week league wide like reset button. Yeah. Um, they don't have even 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 if you don't consider the Olympics, they don't have a lot of time this summer um, to do all the stuff that they want to do because they are trying to get back onto the regular schedule. Right. So they're um, trying to cram fall. everything in. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're also you know they that's I I think at this point that's probably a bigger consideration. Um. Than, than the Olympics because those are the, the Olympics are a complete unknown whether or not that's happening. So I, I don't think the NHL can reliably plan around any of that anymore uh, until they get a concrete answer either way, which they probably won't do until it's way too late. So um, I, I just think that right now, you know, there's actually a great article up on Japer's Rink today. Uh, about this exact topic, and they basically, I, I I agreed with the general premise. Wait, I mean we're we're so we're so close to, you know, vaccines being available on a really widespread level, that, you know, just maybe just waiting an extra couple of weeks, um, could do could do wonders for the league, right? Like you could once, once, once all of the, the 
the people who are first in line for the vaccine get it, then we might be able to start having that conversation about these guys getting it and the, you know, coaches, staff and players and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we're not there yet. And until, until we're there, these guys continue to just risk their health. It's that's just the reality of the situation. And I mean, we saw the bigger leagues plow through, right? Baseball and football. Both yeah, said, well, and, and the baseball's and the baseball's not even a good example because they, they plowed through two months. Yeah, that's true. It was a very short season for baseball. Uh but football less games played, obviously. Nonetheless, it became pretty obvious they were yeah. going to finish their season by any means necessary. I mean, for 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 a league that only was playing one game per week, uh, you know, where teams were only have to play once per week, football was a fiasco. Yeah, and at the college level, don't even don't even look at the college level. I mean, like, oh, that team played nine games. That team played yeah. twelve games. That, that team played five games. The schedules were all over the it place. Was a, it was a for sure total nightmare. Um. Yeah, I'm. I have football as a, a mess. Now the NBA obviously is like the most comparable because they're they at the same time. It's yeah, they they each were in a bubble environment. Schedule set schedules to the season, at least in a normal year. The, the big difference is is that NBA rosters are half the size of NHL rosters. Yep. So you're just not dealing with as many, just half the guys to worry about. So, uh, but the NBA, the NBA has done a good job. Like they've done a good, they've done a good job with it. They've been extremely careful. I mean, you look at that Pistons Nuggets game; those guys were ready to tip off. Yep, and everything was ready to go, but they had an inc- one in a single inconclusive test, and they said we're not taking that chance. Compare that to what happened in Minnesota last week, where they get a positive Mar- test Marcus before Delino game two. Yeah, tests positive before the second game of the series. They played that game. Get on an airplane, go to Denver, chill for a day, play the next day in Denver, and then a whole slew of tests, and now both teams are shut down. And it looks like it's going to get worse for the Wild because today uh, there was a piece out today that. That said, look, we expect it's it's working. I think Bill Guerin said it's working its way through the team. Yeah, we expect more positive tests. Even they the were apps. only shut down through, I think, Tuesday of this week. Yeah, the, they're supposed to open up tomorrow, but I don't. We saw Sam Gerard go on the COVID list yesterday for the Avs off yeah. of all of that. So and we won't have uh, we'll have another update on uh, who got uh, the additional tests and stuff in about two hours. So. Don't be surprised if you see more names on there in a couple of hours. Yeah. And so, I mean, Minnesota, like, okay, well, they shut it down for a week. But if they have more positive tests, the, that that's getting extended. And if, and if you know, you end up with two or three more for the ads, you have to seriously consider yeah. th- through Thursday will not be enough. The... The outdoor game is in serious trouble if a couple more Avs players yeah, they, have to go on protocol. The outdoor game is in 12 days. Yep. Like at this point, at this point, the outdoor game 
might be Colorado's first game back. Yep. At best. Uh, a couple of interesting questions from chat. Uh, Big Green Monster, we will get to your question a little bit later in the show. So just let you know I saw it. Not going to get to it just yet. Brecton asks, is there anything you could you would like this coaching staff to do to improve the team outside of the obvious us wanting to play Bowers and Cout? Kind of the same question from Zach O'Donnell. If you had to replace Bednar with one other coach in the league, who would you replace him with and why? So kind of Av's coaching staff questions. Jeez, I don't know. I mean, you think about who are the best coaches in the league, but do you really do you really want to watch Barry Trotz turn Nathan McKinnon into a two to one player? Good. That would not be exciting hockey, would it? I mean, you have the thing with Bednar, and this is something that does not come up, does not come up very often. Um, the abs are built to play the way he wants to coach. Yeah. It's... They are, they, the, the synergy between the coaching staff and the front office has been there. They're in lockstep. Bednar wants them to play the way that they play. He wants them to get up and down and to do the things that they do well. He wants them to score in transition. He wants to do all this stuff. It's why he coaches to this way. I, I there are very there are very few in the NHL who I would pick over Jared Bednar right now to coach this group of talent. Maybe John Cooper. Yeah, John Cooper like, is the only name that I can think of off the top of my head where I would say I would consider that, that stylistically yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because they play the same kind of hockey in Tampa Bay. They want to they want to play to the skill level. They don't necessarily want to muck and grind. They can, but they don't necessarily want to. So, I'm I agree. I think I really Bednar don't. deserves a ton of credit for getting this team to where it is right now. Yeah, because we've seen we've seen this team have success under him and it's been on it's been on the ascent under his under his tutelage. I don't the the desire to move on from him kind of blows me away. Yeah, I don't understand it's it either. The the difference the difference between Sacco and Wah and Bedner is so enormous that I just I just wonder the abs fans who are absolutely critical of everything and are like I think Jared Bedner is incompetent and the team succeeds despite him. Teams don't succeed despite their head coaches. Like yeah. they just don't. And I mean, even looking back, like look at how Bednar managed Tyson Barry. As as he got here, obviously the terrible yeah. year, everyone was bad. But in the following two years, Tyson Berry had the two best offensive years of his career. So Bednar has gotten in here and understood how to get the most out of honestly the majority of his players. Like as with every coach in every league, in every team, no coach is perfect, right? Coaches yeah. always love to play their their vets a little bit too much, yada yeah, yada yada. All those things are all extremely normal and annoying and frustrating. Yeah, but on the whole, Bednar has done nothing but good things for the Avalanche. Um, I don't. It's hard for me to point out to to Brecton's question of is there anything you think the coaching staff could do better for this Avalanche team? Though the only thing that popped into my head was practice four on four a little bit, maybe. Well, and and like. 
generate generate a more exciting power play. Sure. Um, you have so much high end talent to watch them stand around all the time. And like, there's a fine line there, right? Between, cause I mean, you go, it, anybody that's ever watched naps practice in the last two years will, will tell you that watch them blowing it up. Yeah. Well, it's like they, the coaches are literally on the ice screaming at them to play faster, play yep. with pace, to move the puck quickly, to make fast decisions. And then they get into a game and they get the zone entry and then Landis got banks it off the wall and he gives it to McKinnon and he's on that half wall. And then it's got rotates down behind the net or down in front of the net. And then McCarr's the lone guy up high as McKinnon slowly works his way there. And he just cuts off his own options and everybody starts standing still. And it's just like, honestly, even that's been, of course, of course, you're starting to see this year, the issue of, of cuteness, right? Especially on that first unit. They're passing up a lot of shots to make it's, that one extra pass. It is it is also the double-edged sword of talented players. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the one nice thing about this abs break is that I've gotten a chance to watch a lot of other teams. And the thing that I'm watching a lot of is power plays. Because I want to know, is, is my frustration, just the eye test. I haven't looked into analytics and the expected goals and all that stuff being generated. Um I also still really struggle with expected goals as like a meaningful tool. Sure. Um, I mean, I think it's, like it's I'm just watching to be able to take in context, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like not not getting into the argument of these. Yep. This is useless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of yep. course, it's not useless. Um, <laughs> I I just think that um, just watching these other some of these other power plays, there are certain little things that. It's funny because Avs fans are so sick of the drop pass, right? But I think every fan base is sick of the yeah, drop pass. All 31 teams use it pretty regularly yeah, on their power play. They all have wrinkles that they throw in to, to try and fit their personnel. Um, I love what, so funny, I loved what the Coyotes did the other day. Uh, I was watching it, and the, the little wrinkle that they had, they had a forward who was just kind of circling, mm-hmm. and... As soon as they made the drop pass, uh, Keller would basically be at center ice, like halfway through his circle. Yep. By the time the puck hit center ice, He's Keller was at, through, he was yeah. at top speed right at the blue line. So if they hit him with the puck, um, St. Louis's defense was caught flat-footed, and he was able to just walk right around him. And it was it was really really good timing, um, and I I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was really. I, I thought it was a really cool wrinkle. I liked it a lot. Um, and then Vegas, for example, doesn't do any of that. And their their power play sucks. Like watching just it struggles to generate much of anything. There's just not there's not a lot happening with that power play right now. But the the talented players on it are making it work. All like, right. To, Speaking of talented players, Breckenridge Brewery 
one of our talented players, the official beer of DNVR. We have eight different kinds on tap down at the DNVR bar. And, of course, you can always go to their website, breckbrew.com. Get yourself some Vanilla Tines Day action with their half-baked harvest and their vanilla porter. Both delicious beers. You can head on down to the farmhouse as well and get amazing flavors from excuse me from the source they, they make awesome beer i don't know what to tell you if you haven't had it yet go get it if you haven't had some of their different flavors try and go find it i know it can be hard to find to places call 303-803-1380 use code dnvr to save yourself five dollars for curbside pickup yeah, they make delicious beer I, I don't i don't know what else to tell you other than we are also sponsored by strava craft coffee the CBD-infused coffee that has really changed lives. You can get that from StravaCraftCoffee.com for 20% off when you use code DNVR. You can also get that cold brew down at the DNVR bar. So go give that a try today. They have helped with aches and pains, including migraines, IBS, joint pain, back pain, you name it. They will help a ton. Dude, Vanilla Times Day is great, all right? Don't hate on vanilla. Vanilla is the best of the flavors. I won't hear any heresy on this one. Okay. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's go ahead and get to our next question here. This one from Mishi. What is Joe Sackick's biggest blunder as an Avs GM so far? I mean, let's face it. He was the GM of a team that had a 48-point season. Um, not only that, he failed to make any acquisitions in that. I guess technically he traded uh, uh, AHLers, right? But he didn't make any effective moves to the roster that year, particularly was incapable of selling anything um, to make the team better for the future. There are probably a couple of other arguments you can make. Maybe Derek Broussard. No. No, Reto Bear and Brad Stewart were significantly yeah, worse than Derek Broussard. Reto Bear is definitely a bad one. Brad Stewart's a weird one, right? Because that's more the contract was, that's exactly. the problem. It's the yeah. two decisions together yeah. that really, really made it bad. Because the trade itself is one thing. It's a bad trade. But a second-round pick for a year of a guy, it's bad. You cut bait, you move on. Unless you've already signed a 35-plus player to a two-year extension – before he ever plays a game for you. <laughs> that's how you make that shit worse. Yep. And that's exactly what they did. Definitely so, not good. Um, I would definitely agree with you. I think I think the moves that didn't get made at the 1617 deadline. We don't we don't know what the value was, but you you mean to tell me that they are the only rebuilding team ever? in recent NHL history to not be able to sell off half their roster for draft picks. Well, the, the most famous one, at least that we know of publicly is Fedor Tutin. Fedor Tutin. Yeah. Fedor. Yeah. That's his Fedor, Fedor Tutin. Fedor Tutin yeah. who, the deal was supposedly done and then it gets pulled at the last second yeah. and re- Tutin retired after that. So mm-hmm. the Avs turned something into nothing with that one for sure. Yeah. I mean, both Bodker and, and Sean Matthias were really good in Colorado, though. Yeah. Like, Mikhail Bodker was a point per game player. The problem wasn't Mikhail Bodker. The problem was Matt Duchesne and Nathan McKinnon both got hurt in that stretch run. 
and they ended up missing the playoffs. But yeah, and Sean Matthias was exactly what they needed in the in the bottom six. You could yeah. argue that they could use a Sean Matthias type right now. Not exactly him because he's been out of the league for a few years, <laughs> but a guy like that. Yeah, and we will uh, we will get to that question. Don't you worry about that. Um, yeah, I, look, people people tend to write off the early years of Joe Sackick as GM, and there's some credit to that because how much say did Patrick Wall actually have over the roster at that point? And yeah, and I mean such, it was a more but, complicated situation, definitely. But Sackick was still the GM, right? So the final say should be on him. Yep. All right. We can head on over to the next question. Should the Avs consider acquiring Jonas Corposalo to back up Groob and expose in the expansion draft, thus keeping the team that could challenge for multiple Stanley Cups together? No. The, I, I want to adjust this question a little bit. The Avs shouldn't acquire anyone as far as exposing for the expansion draft. You just you're gonna lose a guy and you live with whoever you lose. The way I wanted to frame this question was, and we got multiple people asking about this, with Francosa's injury still a total unknown, should the Avs look at acquiring a goaltender of NHL caliber yeah. to be the backup? Definitely. Okay. Is Corpusalo on your list or is there anyone that kind of depends on what the price tag is. Of, I mean, of course, and, the price tag matters, but right now, one if you're if you're Columbus right now, who's your starting goaltender? Uh, I guess Elvis. So you're not even all that confident in that answer. Yeah. <laughs> I, look, I hear you. I hear you. the The problem with the goalie market in season will always be the same. Of the goalies that are out there are rarely quality caliber goaltending you're usually getting backup goaltenders from teams well out of the playoffs and that value is rarely strong right yeah well and corpus Corpus i would have a problem with because he has a two-year deal yeah and he's at 2.8 million dollars like you're you're paying you're paying more money you're paying whatever it costs in the trade to get the player anyway but then you're also paying more money in a tight cap situation as it is for Corpusalo. I assume Francois goes the other way in this. Yeah, if otherwise, you're not moving for it, you right. It makes yeah. no sense whatsoever. It's at that point you're getting into this is a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. Not like this is this won't work. Like if if Francois isn't going the other way, it's just downright dumb. Yeah, because I mean, now you've got two backup goaltenders sitting on your books for a couple million. And you're like, okay, well, we took this third goaltender thing way too far now. Especially if you bring Grubauer back. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna go Francois and Corpusalo next year, okay. But no, bad. It's a I don't think that they uh is is the overall answer here that it's just too hard to acquire a quality caliber goaltender <clears throat> in season? No, I mean I think we see we see a couple of goalies pop around places, right? Like I there's gotta be there's gotta be somebody out there that they like that a team would be willing to move on from. You know, like a 
I think I think he's hurt, but like an Alex Stalock type. That will get you by, isn't it? Yeah, crazy, like a, but... a guy that's you know you it wouldn't wouldn't work out now because of their current situation, but a Casey just Smith type. You know, a guy that's a guy that's got a cheap variable contract where if you put him in the game, like you can there's a decent chance you're gonna get a competitive outing from him. And you can just see what happens. For sure. So it's it's an interesting situation, right? Because especially with the Avs cap space, yeah. as you mentioned, a roster player has to go back the other way. And if it's not Francois, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So the question becomes, what do the Avs have to add? If you're shipping an injured Francois out plus something for a goaltender. Yeah. And I think they have, they have enough because you don't want to dip further into the draft picks. Right. They're already like, pretty darn thin in the upcoming draft. Yeah. yeah. If it's like sixth and seventh, I am never, ever, ever going to. They could never pick in the sixth round or later again. And I would be okay with that. Yeah. Even though a couple of the recent late round guys look like they've got a little bit of bloom to them, um, I, I would be fine. Nine never. out of. Nine out of ten times, you give up that $2 scratch ticket for five bucks, you're going to make a lot more that way than whatever you scratch off. (laughs) All the Thomas Grice suggestions in the chat, that guy's 35 years old, making $3.6 million for the next year. And again, cap value is... You have a cap problem. Yeah. (laughs) And now you've almost doubled the cost of your backup. So, I'm you have to find value with that position. It is one of the most cost-efficient positions in all of hockey. You cannot pay through the nose for it. The same way that we talk about, you know, you the the same way that we talk about, oh, the you can't sign Belmar types when you're you're in a cap crunch situation. You can't spend almost two million dollars on a four C. You've got two million dollars dedicated to your backup goaltender, which is about the most you want to spend. You're not spending $3.6 million on your backup goaltender when you have a cap crunch. It's still 3.6. Even if you combine Jost and Francois, you're at 2.9 million, but you also have two players versus now, just the one. That's right. You've now paid extra money for and, and now, you have If they, if they retain... It. It's a different conversation. If there's That's, salary retention, of course, changes things. But moving Jost hasn't solved the problem, right? If you move Jost, guess what? Now Kout's on the roster, who's also making 800-something K. So you're not actually saving anything by moving Tyson Jost, really. I mean, I yeah. I mean, like this, you, we don't know what he's going to – we don't know what Tyson Jost costs next year. That's so fair, but. that's that question mark. Like he's, he's at 800, 900 K, whatever it, the exact number is right now for this year. Very, very low chance that that happens again next year. With that being said, his current production is not going to increase his cost very much. So you can't, you can't 3.6 million for Thomas Christ. This the, the Zach's argument that it's just one year. 
Like, okay, great. You've lost Brandon Sod now. Like, you're guaranteed you've lost Brandon Sod. Just to make sure that you have a backup for Philip Grubauer. And none of this considers whatever Grubauer is going to cost. None of this considers Landis Gog or Makar's price tags. Because those are your big three contracts in the offseason. Landis Gog, Makar, Grubauer. You don't know how much money you're losing in the expansion draft. So you have to be really, really careful and be cost efficient at certain positions. Dicking around with Thomas Grice at $3.6 million for a year just because you can is insane. It's just there's no need for it. Again, if they throw, if salary retention becomes part of the conversation, it's, it's, it's very different. So I'm, I'm all for them going and getting a, a backup of some kind, but it has to work. The money has to work. And you almost always are going to have to start with, okay, how much does he cost? Because you're in a cap spot right now where you can't just willy-nilly be like, ah, we'll make it work. I We do need to take our break in a second here on one final part to this goaltender situation. Given the situation the Avs are in now, do you give Adam Werner a little bit of leash here to try and prove that he can be a functional NHL goaltender on the cheap for you? Um, I mean, I would say if 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 Miska loses his next start whenever that is, and it and it doesn't like and it doesn't go well if he's not all that competitive. If it looks like the last one, maybe I yeah, give Warner a couple of games. But they how many how many games does your backup need to lose before you start to decide it's time? Like I for for me right now, I think that's your biggest vulnerability. It's not JT Comfer. As as poorly as Comfer has played to start the season, we've seen so much better from him in the past that I'm just I don't want to say I'm not concerned about it, but Comfer and his contract and all that stuff, that'll be something that'll be something that you have to probably work out in the offseason. For sure. Um for right now, you just you're probably just rolling the dice that he just gets better. So, all right, we can go ahead and take our second period break there as we are sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Hope all of you cashed in on the single touchdown to double your money last night in the Super Bowl. Plenty of other betting options coming up for you, including UFC Coming up this weekend, another chance to step into the octagon for UFC 258. And DraftKings will give you 100 to 1 odds. All you have to do is get in there, pick your fighter to step out and win the championship. And you get 100 to 1 odds. Easy money all the way around. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. If MMA is not for you, DraftKings also offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, football, esports, table tennis, European underwater basket weaving, you name it. 
you can bet on just about anything over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 on your chosen title contender to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. Again, code DNVR for your chance at 100-1 to odds on the main event Saturday night for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions Supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Okay, third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We have a super chat from Pin King asking, thoughts of making the rest of the NHL season outdoor game since we really don't have fans. Get ready in the hotel and then ride to the game and back. Um, give the- money it costs to put on an outdoor game. Yeah, the you have to build the rinks, you have to upkeep the rinks. Yeah, you have the complete unknowns of weather factors, especially for teams playing in warmer cities, becomes a yeah. huge, huge issue. You would need to put, you would need to bubble it up, and have the entire league in the same bubble. You would need to put it in a relatively cold weather location, uh, but not so cold that players want to die. And it would it would cost an enormous amount of money to do it because you would have to maintain that rink. With that being said. And play a hundred games on it. With that being said, some of the borderline meme tier changes that they're putting into effect, like removing the glass behind the benches and adding HEPA filters to their filtration systems doesn't seem like it's that far off from just going I, to outdoor games. I, I mean, like, if if your goal is, is no in-game transmission of the virus, n- nailed it. <laughs> like, you've solved the, that problem 100%. But... All of the other logistics of it, I mean, you would have to have the entire league would have to be there. Yeah. It'd be and hard. then how many games per day are you playing on that rink? I mean, you'd, you would, you'd build like a five to ten rink, like outdoor area, right? So you could play all the games on, on different sheets of ice or at least a significant number of sheets of ice. So you didn't have to play like six games a day on one sheet. But again, the, the cost factor there would just be so out of control. Yeah, they would be, and it would remove whatever limited possibilities there already are for fans. Yeah. Cause you're not going to build fans. You're not going to build a, an infrastructure for fans to come in. And, and even then you're in one spot for the whole league. And the reality of it is, like, I don't have to like it. You don't have to like it. The NHL is losing a ton of money, and there are places that will not continue the season without bringing fans in. Arizona's doing it, I know for sure. I think Florida's doing it as well. The NHL is trying to salvage money here. And I would prefer no fans at any of the games until it's safer, but that's not the way the NHL sees it. Yeah, I mean, Arizona already has, like, 
They're opened up to like fifteen hundred people. Yeah, I think it's like twenty five hundred now. Is it? It's gone up. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, free free space on the bingo square for the joke there. But yeah, that would be that would be crazy. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat, Pin King. Getting I, to our next question. I, I would love it personally. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> Because then there would be no chance to pipe in any more crowd noise. Fake noise, yeah. Which, by the way, Vegas doesn't do and was awesome. Yeah, the the couple places that either don't do it or keep it quiet. I love the game sound, man. I think it's the best. But next question. This is kind of a summation of a bunch of questions we got coming from Andre Marksov. Lots of talk about the Evs accruing cap space for the deadline, but who realistically is a target this season and who on the roster could just be replaced? The Avs, all right, the the position everyone is talking about acquiring at the deadline is a 3C for the Avs. Yeah, there's two of them. It's, it's another goaltender and it's a 3C. Yeah. It, it's pretty much that simple. Um... Where are there any targets that pop up off the top of your head? Don't say Philip Deneau because we know it's not happening. Yeah, Montreal's way too competitive for them to yeah. consider that conversation. Right. You have to look for the teams that are going to be on the outs on the outside looking in, and see if they could, if somebody if somebody might be able to get a good value somewhere. Yeah, you'd have to look around the league, and the long term like under the assumption that no one on the Avs is out for the rest of the season, since they're all listed as week to week, you're replacing actively a spot in the lineup, which means someone has to sit out. I think we've been pretty vocal on the fact that you could probably make an argument that Belmar has been the weakest player on the team night in and night out, at least for the forward core. You have the conversation of what does Matt Calvert's future look like? Is he just going to be out with concussion systems unknown for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Uh, to be honest, Calvert's on an expiring contract. Um, they should be planning right now for life without him just to be safe. Yeah. So you can make an argument for possibly a bottom six winger as well, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're talking about just about any bottom six forward in the league, depending on what you want. Here is everyone coming in with our favorite Sam Bennett conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like Sam Bennett is aggressively mediocre. Yep. It's well, and here's the other part of this question. Is again, same as the goalie conversation, what do you give up? If you're giving up more yeah. than like a fourth round pick for a bottom six player. Well, there would have to be, I mean, there's got to be some sort of money going the other way. Some sort of a cash consideration of some kind would have to be happening here. Yeah. Um, the abs don't really have the cash of picks to dig too deep into. Because none of these guys are worth first rounders, you know. We're not having any of that kind of conversation, right? Um, it's not close. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the we the league is in such a weird place right now. Um, 
I just don't. It's because it's so hard to move money, right? Like, well, it's it's hard to move money. Um, the division, the way the divi- the playoffs and the divisions are set up, there's very few teams that are going to feel like they're out of it. Yep. At least right now, and of course, we're not even a full month into the season, so of course, right? Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see, but teams that are realistically out of it: Ottawa, Detroit. Honestly, even LA probably can't say they're fully out of it yet. So, yeah, I mean, I think Arizona's had like the nice little push here, but you still have to be looking at them as. I mean, again, my problem is the term on some of these things because, like, a Tyler Pitlick or a Johan Larson would have been fine, but I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. There's the the contract through next year is the issue, and that's not what you want to do. If if you have any faith in Martin Kaut or Shane Bowers making the lineup, you don't want to commit to anything past this year. Yeah, well, and even then, it's it's iffy. I just from a, a salary standpoint, I hear you, but it's so the again the like the league is just in a weird spot where how many teams are really going to be looking to sell. This is, I think this will be something that when we actually get closer to the lineup or to the, to the deadline and we're not 11 games into the season, um, this will naturally start. This picture will be clear as we go. I mean, the deadline's what 30 games into the season, 35, something like that. Um, I think it's in still, I still think it's in April or March. I don't know. The, I, I'd have to look it up to, to tell you the exact date. But so, um, no, abs don't have any cap space to look at Bobby Ryan. That's no way. Well, and where does where would Bobby Ryan play in Colorado? He'd play in a bottom six role where he can't like, be effective. You're talking. You're already talking. Like, I mean, Bobby Ryan's only making a million dollars this year. So, oh, that's fine. right. That's right. He took those way less. You're right. Yeah, like he theoretically would be fine, but then you don't. I guess the conversation on Bobby Ryan is don't get baited by his production in Detroit's top six because that's yeah. not a realistic role for him in Colorado. Well, that's that's the real question. Like, what does Bobby Ryan look like? It, Bob, Bobby, it, it would be like Bobby Ryan would have to take a wing job on your in your bottom six somewhere. Deadline you is know. April twelfth. Thank you, Jackson. Appreciated. So, yeah, it's like forty games. Into the into the season, so you know, we're like a little bit past twenty five percent there. You could say maybe a third of the way for some of the teams that have played more games. So ask again in fifteen games, I guess. Yeah. Is the I question. would I also the quarantine period means you're probably not trading um, with a Canadian team. Very true. So you can so you can remove the North Division from that conversation. Um. Because they aren't going to want to wait two weeks to get the to get whatever you know. If it's just draft picks, then that's okay. But if there's a if it's a player swap of any kind, um, they're not going to want to wait two weeks for that. So, um, I think there are going to be a lot of interesting conversations about the deadline this year. There are going to be some teams that are out of it that have intriguing players. Yep, and. I mean, let's be honest, the deadline is rarely for acquiring players longer term. Right. You're talking like 
like what Tampa did last year, where they went and gave up a bunch of a bunch of dudes, yep, or a bunch of picks uh, for a Barclay Goudreau and and Blake Coleman, like yep. guys who were on two year deals that like cheap two year deals, uh, made sense, but not the norm at all, right? But the those are also like easier guys to find, um, for what Colorado needs. It's like. You have to answer the JT Comfort question. Okay, you've got a third line center. Now, where does JT Comfort play for you? Because Donskoy's been fine. Yep. Comfort's so you're not going to mess him. around with Donskoy, but you have to find a place for Comfort, assuming he's not part of the trade package. And right now, I'm going to assume he's not. I don't think anyone's going to want any piece of that if Comfort's involved, given that he's making so, 3.5. Yeah, I think this is more this is more fan fantasy than it is reality. Maybe. But, you know, because what is it? Comfort has two years left on his deal after this at $3.5 million, So, And let's – the NHL's talking about how much money they're losing this year. Even with a Seattle influx of cash, cap's probably not going to go up at least next year. You're looking at two years away for, for some cap relief there. Uh, Patrick Maroon has one goal in nine games right now. Patrick Maroon is JT Comfort as far as production is concerned. So yeah, I I think if you were really looking for an interesting depth guy, um, uh, you'd have to try and figure out the money. But that's I I think you should look at a guy like Adam Adam Lowry. I think that's interesting. Other side note on Maroon really quick. Maroon's playing for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay cannot take on any cash. Full stop. (laughs) So that's not realistic. But he's he's meme tier suggestion because he's won two cups in a row. Even if even if I thought he was a good acquisition, which personally I don't, it's not gonna happen. (laughs) Um uh, look. When we get closer to the deadline, they'll start to be rumors swirling and we can have some of these conversations. Yeah. Right now, it feels like chat's just throwing out random names. Yeah. I Adam Lowry would be a guy that I would keep an eye on. Just there you go. As Winnipeg would have to be out of it, out of it. But, you know. Adam Lowry, a possible chance. Our man Cygnus here coming in with, would you rather have the hiccups for the rest of your life or constantly feel like you have to sneeze? I feel like you'd eventually get accustomed to the feeling like you have to sneeze. As a person who has had the hiccups for like six hours, I woke up the next day and my diaphragm was so painfully sore that I never wanted to experience that again. So definitely have to sneeze over hiccups by like a long, long, long shot for me. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the feeling of something versus the act of actually doing it all the time. Yeah. I mean, there are those people, right, that have had the hiccups for like five years or whatever. And they just like live. It's weird, though, because they hiccup like six times a day. So maybe it wouldn't be that bad if that's what we're considering. Yeah. But they like haven't gotten rid of the hiccups for years. I don't know. It'd be be a really really guess, strange conversation. I guess I guess it 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 would depend on the extent of the hiccup. 
yeah. If it's like once every like four hours or something, that'd be fine. Yeah, definitely. Like but we're like, you're just you're just like, oh, this is just a thing that happens versus something that's constantly happening and it's like how can you even function with Even this going if it on? was sometime like even if it's like every couple minutes, like fifteen times an hour would be awful. That would be yeah. so terrible to deal with constantly. I mean five times an hour would be awful. Yeah, it like I think it'd be manageable, but it would suck. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think feeling like you're about to sneeze would be something that would yeah I've, prevent once, you from doing much of anything. It would just be a little uncomfortable. I and imagine I think you'd get used to it. Right, like the first hour would be awful, and then it'd just be like uh, this is just how I feel now. Yeah, it would it would probably be really uncomfortable for the first few days. You know, yeah. like when you know, like when you have like the flu and like that bridge of your nose is like really tingly all the time because you're yeah. like your body's like fighting infection and you're like f this, this is awful, this is the worst thing ever, and like you can't sleep and it's all in it. I feel like it would be like that for a few days and then you would eventually just adjust. Yeah, I think so too. You know, humans humans have an incredible ability to adapt. When, when they absolutely have to, when given no choice. All right. Let's get to our last question, which I already know the answer to. But if you haven't watched our video game podcast, go check out DNVR Gaming's oh, podcast. Geez. AJ, I know you're playing World of Warcraft. You sneaking yeah. in anything else over there? Um, honestly, not right now. Um, yeah. We really just, when the season was like on, we didn't really have time uh, to be doing it. I was, I was, like yep. limited to very little wow at all same and now that we're on impromptu spring break it's just catching up on wow <laughs> uh and then i'm i haven't really had much time to do a whole lot else so all right um, let this be a lesson kids yeah. mmos will take up all of your time <laughs> well and that's that's the that's the cost efficiency right uh you pay you pay 60 dollars for a video game and you get X, X number hours. of hours out of it. Yeah. You play an MMO, you know, you as much as I hate it, fifteen dollars a month for the for the subscription, and you get an insane amount of time. Value hours, yeah. Yeah. Um we killed Denathrius on normal. Um, how far are we on heroic? We are at six, six of ten, ten, I think. But we killed council and not lady, which is backwards. Yeah, so uh, we're at six of ten, but we did kill council. And I am I killed heroic Denathrius outside of the guild. <laughs> so yes, did your did your other guild already do it? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So I have not killed heroic Denathrius yet, but we're working. We're. we're I feel like we'll probably get to eight of ten this week. Definitely seven ten. Uh, seven ten. Yeah, sorry. I don't. I have no idea. Else if we rated for like an extra thirty minutes last week, I think we would get seven ten. But yeah. I'm not sure how Sludgefist will go. I really just don't know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see on Sludgefist, but we'll get there. We have what, like two more months before the next patch. We'll get ten ten easy. Uh, anyway, if you like a conversation like this. Go watch the DNVR Gaming Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel. You can hit that bell if you want notifications every single time we go live. 
We are live five days a week with the Avalanche off. That means 1 p.m. every single day. So be sure to, to show up and tune in. Appreciate all y'all in the chat. Hopefully we answered all y'all's questions for the most part. A lot of you all had the same questions for the most part as well. So seems like we hit most of the major topics. Uh, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for watching, listening, however you consume the podcast. Highly recommend you do get it on YouTube, though. The visuals kind of useful at times. Uh, other than that, appreciate y'all. We are out of here. Thank you. And we will see you guys again tomorrow.